Hey ladies, welcome to another episode of the She Is Community Podcast. Now let me start by saying that 2022 has been a full year and there were some things that were planned and there were some things that were unexpected and unplanned. We are so excited to bring you new episodes of this podcast in the new year, but to finish out this year, we are going to share with you some previous messages from our very own Kim Massengale. Now, this summer, we launched something called She Is Community Nights, and back in June, we all got together and learned what it means to be rooted in Christ. So ladies, enjoy this message by Pastor Kim. So tonight, I'm going to focus in on our mission statement, Rooted and talk about why that is so important. Um, So how many of you love to garden? Raise your hand. How many of you are actually good at it? A few of you. I'm glad I'm in the right company. I love plants and flowers. I love going into places and spaces that have plants and flowers. I love going into Philly Street Candle Store because um, I love candles. And I love that Andrea has plants everywhere. It's like this modern, boho, beautiful space that just makes me happy when I walk in. And I love the look of that. Um, I have some really pretty flowering bushes outside. I did not plant any of them. The previous owner did. We've lived in our house for eight years. She did it before us. Some of them are dying. Um, some of them are so beautiful. I have a really beautiful tulips that bloom in the spring. I don't get any credit for them. They are there because she planted them, and then the rains water them, And the roots are strong. I think they have roots. I don't really know. Don't tell me if they don't. Um, (laughs) They bloom every spring, whether I take care of them or not. Um, I'll look outside my window sometimes, and I'll catch people walking by our house and taking pictures of the tulips and the weeds that are among them. But they are lovely. And however, uh, no matter my desire to want plants and flowers like I really really want hanging baskets like I we have a wraparound porch like I really want hanging baskets on on all all sides of my house and I want these beautiful plants in my home but y'all I kill them within a week and I'm not kidding somebody gave me a couple of hanging baskets recently and I was like thank you She lives in Ireland, so I'm like, I'm so glad you won't see in a week (laughs) that they're dead. And they are. They're gone, y'all. It's so sad. (laughs) But Maria Versace, if she's in here, she's a master gardener. She took a class to become a master gardener, and she told me that she doesn't even have hanging baskets because they're hard to keep up with. So she makes me feel better about myself. But my best intentions, like I can have the best intentions to have these beautiful plants and these beautiful flowers. My best intentions don't make me water them. Like my best intentions don't make me prune them. My best intentions don't make me take care of them. There's absolutely no follow through when it comes to the plants. They all die. And their roots, they never get healthy. They never get established because they're not nourished. They're not taken care of, right? 
like you really do have to be a plant mom. Like it, like those of you who have the hanging baskets, I admire you now because I realize like you are a plant mom. Like you have this gifting. I'm proud of you. But you have to be intentional and you have to follow through with taking care of them, right? You have to nurture them, give them the nutrients they need to be strong and grow deep and last and be beautiful. It's, it's an act of God that our tulips bloom every year. I, don't, I can't take any credit for it. There are rose bushes that bloom. However, I did notice this year that half of the rose bush is very dead. <laughs> so there's like a part of it that's beautiful and then a part that's very, very dead. And now we have more weeds blooming than ever in the rose bushes half dead, but it's because of a lack of care and pruning, right? The roots of the tulips and the, and the rose bush are healthy. They come back every year because of the soil and the rain. They're getting what they need. So, Kim, why are you talking about plants? Is this what our sermon is about tonight? I'm going to have Maria come up and do a master gardening class right now. What does this have to do with us? What does this have to do with you? What does this have to do with me? Well, Colossians 2, 6 through 7 says, And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. We're going to focus in on let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. So what does rooted and grounded mean? Well, rooted in the dictionary means established deeply and firmly, firmly implanted. And I always love looking up the Greek words um, of scripture just to find its original meaning. And the word rooted is reitzao. And it's to cause, to strike root, to strengthen with roots, to render firm, to fix. I love that, to fix, to establish, to cause a person or a thing to be thoroughly grounded. So when the scripture says here, let your roots grow down into him, it means let, let yourself be established in who Jesus Christ is. Let it be thoroughly grounded in who Jesus Christ is. And then the Greek word for establish is a Greek verb, babio. I'm not getting any of these right. I listen to them over and over and over again until I'm blue in the face and I still don't get them right. But God knows. It means to make firm, establish, confirm, make sure. So why is it so important that we're rooted and grounded in who we are in Christ? How many of you can admit we live in a world that has gone insane? We're all on the same page. Good. And we live in a world right now that is tumultuous. It is full of uncertainty. Family conflict is bigger than I think it's ever been. Um, Unexpected loss seems to be at every turn shootings not knowing if our kids are safe when they go into a school the facing a potential recession wars and rumors of wars the moral code just completely shifting in our world it's so uncertain and it's so easy to live in an anxious state one that's rooted in fear 
one that wakes us up in the middle of the night multiple times a night because we are afraid of what's going to happen tomorrow. We have to be rooted and grounded in something. But we are rooting and grounding ourselves in the wrong things. I think when we get in a state like this, we look to everything else so often except for Jesus. We look for quick fixes. We look for people. We look for objects. We look for things that can fill the void or give us some sense of peace, but it's all an illusion. The only thing that can be steadfast in your life, the only thing that can give you peace, the only thing that can give you security and hope is Jesus Christ. And so we have to be rooted and grounded in who he is, but also who we are through him. Also, your identity has to be rooted in something because it's our baseline. Our identity is formed from the moment that we are born. It's a sense of self. It's a sense of uh, it's a sense of worth. And in the Eastern world, your identity is very much found in your family. That's where you find your identity. So they kind of tell you um, what their expectations of are you. You usually follow the family business. There's a lot of pressure there and who you marry. Um, and, and family can kind of be controlling in those circumstances. In our world, in the Western world, we live in a very individualistic society, right? You decide who you want to be. Live your best life. Be who you want to be. Be all that you can achieve, Your will is what matters in America and in the Western world. You decide and you go do it. That's what we're taught. So there's an immense amount of pressure on ourselves. So Eastern world, a lot of pressure from family, a lot of pressure from culture. Our world, a lot of pressure from ourselves. Certainly we face it from others. But man, the pressure on self is intense. So many followers, so many women, so many girls that follow Jesus, we spin in circles and we spend years wasting so much time and energy trying to figure out who we are, trying to be someone we're not, having a facade of someone we want to be, but someone we aren't, and we know that on the inside. Even if you're like, Kim, I am who I am. That's still a facade to some extent. That's still you trying to establish who you are on your own. Discovering identity is a purpose, is a, is a process, I'm sorry. It's a process. It's not an event. We will spend... a every single day, digging into the word of God and figuring out who we are. And the thing is, is that the more that we try to to look for our identity in other places, we end up failing at being somebody we're not. We end up coming short of being somebody who we were trying to achieve rather than succeeding at being at who you actually were created to be. We have to take a look tonight at what our identities are rooted in. John 1, 10 through 13 says, He came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. 
But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. So this passage is obviously talking about the fact that Jesus came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. All who believe in Jesus and accept him, he gives them the right to become children of God. Ladies, that is where our identity is found, is as a child of God. Tim Keller says, to be born again is not to be born of family descent or human decision. Your identity is received, not achieved. See, we are taught from a very young age that we have to live up to expectations, that we have to, you know, make the grades and and be the best athlete and be the best artist and be the best at everything. We are constantly taught that our identity is to be achieved. And we very well know when we don't achieve the things that maybe we set out to do or that other people put on us, We tend to fall apart, or at least I used to. I want to ask you today, what are you rooted in? In what areas of your life are you trying to earn your identity? Is it work? Are you working yourself to death because you just can't do enough or keep up or please your boss enough? Or maybe it's internal, you can't please yourself enough. You haven't arrived where you thought that you should be yet. Are you a mom? Maybe you're not a mom and you identify with that or you're not mom yet. You're identifying with that, that you want to be a mom, but you're not there yet. Students, do you identify with having good grades? Like, is that something that if, man, if you make that B or you make a C even, you just, your your life falls apart because you feel like you failed in every single area? Maybe your identity is being a good athlete and you're so hard on yourself and maybe your parents are equally, if not more so hard on you as they living vicariously through you a little bit. But do you just strive? Is your identity found? And like when someone asks you what you do or what you're good at, does that immediately be the thing that you come forward with? Is it parents' expectations, whether you are young or old? (laughs) Even if your parents are gone, do you find yourself constantly trying to live up to the expectations that they would have set for you, feeling like you've constantly disappointed them? Is it perfection? Speaking from a recovering (laughs) perfection addict, Like it's just being perfect in every area of your life, just something that you really identify with. Maybe it's that ideal body. Maybe you find yourself constantly treating your body like a project. I know I lived that cycle for so long and too many years where I just treated my body like a project. It was was a part of my identity that, well, if I could get to be this size, but you know what? It was never enough was never good enough, and other people even put that on me at times. Maybe it's, well, I'm a wife, or I'm single, or I'm not yet a wife, but I want to be. 
Are you rooted in your past failures or your past achievements? Are you constantly recalling the past? And that's, well, I was a college athlete, you know. I was this, or I made this mistake so God can never use me. Are you living an identity in that place in your life? Are you rooted in what others have said about you? That you're not enough, that you're too much, that you're too loud, you're too quiet, you're too this, you're too that. One thing that I identified with growing up was being a Texan. I don't know if y'all know, Texans are very proud of their state. Every single person is like, Texans are something else. Like when you enter the state, there's don't mess with Texas signs everywhere. I was talking to, this is off the subject a little bit, but I was talking to a young adult that I'm doing their premarital counseling and um, he was telling me that he got a dual citizenship uh, in Italy. And so I was just kind of asking about that and he said his, his dad's Italian, his mom's Polish and I said, you know, what's different up here is that you all know like what your heritage is. Like there's so many like Polish traditions or, you know, European traditions and you all know about them. You know where your grandparents came from. Like when you ask a Texan where they're from, I'm from Texas. Like what, what do you mean? Like there's other places <laughs> like my, you know, like I'm from Texas. So if somebody asked my daughter the other day where, where her family was from and you're like, well, they're from Texas and Oklahoma. They're like, no, but, but where are they from? She's, she guessed. Because <laughs> oh. <laughs> we don't know. <laughs> Mel knows. <laughs> His mom did Ancestry.com recently. I have no clue. <laughs> I'm sure my parents told me at some point, but, but no, for real though, like it was a problem at one point in my life that I identified so much with being a Texan. Like I have got to let this go. It is not <laughs> what makes me me. Like I never hear anyone from Pennsylvania say, I'm a Pennsylvanian. <laughs> like you just don't, P-A-N. I don't know. <laughs> I won't stay here too long, but the other thing we tend to identify with is our political party. We're done there. Okay. <laughs> we can even identify with what church we go to. So I'll hit home with Christians, right? We can even hit home with what church we go to, what type of Bible we read, how many hours we spend with Jesus. But none of that actually makes up our identity. Y'all, John says we have rights as children of God. When we choose to follow Jesus with our heart, soul, mind, and strength, we are a child of God, period. We are a new creation. We don't have to earn it. 
The thing about our Heavenly Father that is different from our earthly parents is we don't have to earn anything. We don't have to earn their approval. We, we don't have to earn His approval. We don't have to earn His love. We don't have to earn a pat on the back. We don't have to earn a good job. We don't have to do that with Jesus or with our Heavenly Father because us being a child of God simply comes by faith and our identity is rooted in Him without ever having to earn it. We can be rooted in God's love for us. He is now your Father if you are a follower of Jesus Christ and He's not like any father that you have ever known, even if you have the very best dad. He is still trumps your dad times a billion. He loves you unconditionally. And it's never based on what you've done to earn it. It's freely given. Your identity in Christ is freely given, daughters. You can take a deep breath. But it is. Bless you, Donna. You can take a deep breath. Your identity as a daughter in Christ is freely given. He calls you beloved. He calls you chosen. He calls you mine. See, when we make anything else our identity, even if they're good things, right? Because in America, we are taught like, like, go live your best life now. Like, go achieve all you can achieve. Like, that's why people think America's so great if they live in another country. They don't realize how broken we actually are. But, but we have all these big dreams and aspirations. And, and so it's not bad. But when we make anything else our identity, those things stop being good at some point. And they begin to crush you at some point. They begin to weigh you down at some point because you can never, ever, ever live up to it. We get competitive with each other. We can never have enough. C.S. Lewis in his uh, book, Mere Christianity, gives this concept about how, you know, um, we're not really proud of having money, but we're proud of having more money than somebody else. Like, ouch. Like, we're not really proud of being smart. We're proud of being smarter than somebody else. Gosh, I did it all the time when I was in school. Like, what'd you make? Well, it was your grade. And I would like totally inflate my day or deflate my day. Any identity that is achieved rather than received, any identity that you have to live up to or go after or earn rather than just simply taking it as a gift has to be excluding. In other words, you feel better because other people aren't as good as you. You feel better because other people aren't as talented as you or conservative as you or liberal as you. And that's how you feel good about yourself, by looking at other people and trashing them. We do it in the church. And well, she doesn't come to Bible study like I do. How many Bible studies did you do this year? Oh. (laughs) 
Tim Keller says, what kind of identity do we need? We can't take ourselves and bless ourselves. We can't take ourselves and bless ourselves. Someone else has to name us. We exchange an old set of cheerleaders for a new set. We want someone to name us. We need someone to esteem us if we want any type of self-esteem. And what this means is we constantly go through life looking for a new set of cheerleaders when one lets us down. So many people want to be up here doing what I'm doing, but you don't understand. It can feel good to have the claps, but then the letter that you receive in the mail talking about how they didn't like what you had to say, I... It just goes on and on, like it never stops. We exchange one set of cheerleaders for a new one and we're constantly going after new things to name us. We all want our lives to matter and we each have a desire to do something great and I do believe that that's something that God's put in us. But let's do it for his kingdom. Let's do it for his glory. We want the good-looking flowers and the leaves, but what we have to realize is that in order for us to make a difference that will last, we have to allow our roots to grow deep in who we are in Christ. Don't y'all think that a woman who truly understands that her worth comes from being a daughter of God is so much more beautiful than anything you've ever seen? It is. It's breathtaking to see a woman who really knows, man, I'm not, my, circ, my identity is not based on my circumstances. Now, she doesn't feel that way all the time. Can I just say that? So we're all human. We all have days where we spiral and we forget who we are, but we, we learn to come back to it quicker than we used to. Just like roots do for plants, our identity has to be able to strengthen and establish us. So I want you to really think about where you're finding your identity right now. Does it strengthen you? Like really strengthen you? Does it ground you? Like do you feel like your feet are planted like this? I'm not shaken. Like and you can be a little wobbly. It's okay. The most godly women I know can be a widow wobbly. <laughs> wow. See? There you go. A little wobbly sometimes. But, but when a storm or something comes your way or some, someone says something negative about you or disparaging about you, are you grounded? Like, are you able to quickly call to mind what you know to be true? that you are a daughter of God, that you are not shaken, that you have resolve. The only way that our identity can be rooted and grounded in who we are in Christ is we have to begin to get into the word of God. There are spiritual practices that Jesus has laid out for us that will be an anchor for our soul, that will be an anchor in tumultuous times such as this, 
So the first thing is we have to be rooted in whose you are. Genesis 1.27 says, God created man in his own image, and the image of God he created him. Male and female he created them. Our identity comes from our birthright, not our behavior. Your identity comes from your birthright as a daughter of God, not from your behavior. Again, it's received, it's not achieved. Ephesians 1, 11 through 12 says, it is in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, he had his eye on us. He had designs on us for glorious living. Part of the overall purpose he is working out in everything and everyone. Jeremiah 1, 5 says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. You are a child of God. You have purpose through him. John 1, 12 says, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. You are daughter. No matter what you've done, if you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ, he calls you daughter. When we struggle to know who we are, it is because we are disconnected from the source. We are not connecting to our roots and we are connecting to other sources that leave us empty. And I do believe it is why our world right now and why we're seeing the uprising of, of, of people wanting to be tapped into energy sources of spiritual healing sources because we are looking for a source to root and ground us. However, those sources are not of Jesus. They are not of God. They are mimics. The only source of true life and true hope comes from Jesus and Jesus alone. Jesus plus anything isn't Jesus. We are rooted in something else if we're constantly looking to other sources that leave us empty. We're running to everyone and everything saying, tell me who I am. Social media, tell me who I am. TikTok, tell me who I am. Tell me I'm funny. Tell me this reel is good. Tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me. Tell me I'm successful. Our essential nature is spiritual and we are designed to remain in connection to the source of life. The reason spiritual things are attractive to us is because there is a spirit nature that we are born with, but we have to make sure, ladies, that we are tapping into the right spiritual sources. How do we begin to know him and connect to him? John 15, five says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit from apart from me. You can do nothing. We can all have pretty leaves and pretty flowers. We can all bloom, but it's not by our own doing. It's not by our own achieving. It is by being connected to the vine. It is by being connected to God as our source. Apart from him, we are worthless. We can't do it. It must become a discipline in our lives to spend time with him through word, worship, and prayer. Number two, our, we have to be rooted in knowing that you are a new creation. When you become a Christian, scripture says that we become a new person. I'm so grateful for that. I needed to become a new person. 2 Corinthians 5, 16 through 21 says, so we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. 
At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view, how differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us the task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. We are Christ ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sins so that we could be made new and right with God through Christ. The word here actually means something brand new or recently made. When Jesus Christ came into your life, you were literally made a brand new person. So whether the outside lives up to it yet or not, whether the actions live up to it yet or not, it is a process, it is a journey, it is a process of sanctification, of learning who you are as a new person. But what this passage says is he no longer counts your sins against you. And many of you know my story, but, but there are things, right, that I've done in my past that I could let define me and I could let label me, but I refuse to because as that daughter of God, he does not count those sins against me. I have been made new through Jesus Christ. Y'all can clap. That's good because it applies to you, not just, not just me. It's like a big amen for you. First Peter 2, 9 says, your chosen royalty, you are his. And so, man, why do we continue to do the things we used to do if we're a new creature, if we're a daughter of God? Why do we continue to get trapped up and tripped up? I don't know why I keep saying trapped up, but tripped up would be the right word there. Number three, a rooted and grounded identity is a surrendered one. A woman, a girl who really wants to identify with who she is in Christ realizes that she doesn't have all the answers. She realizes that the world around her doesn't have all the answers. She realizes that her parents don't have all the answers, that her friends don't have all of the answers, but she surrenders to the one that she knows who does, and that's Jesus. See, in order for my rose bushes to get healthy, I could probably need to go out and prune away the dead parts probably need to go out and cut away the dead things so the new life can grow. The roots might be doing their job still because some of it's growing. So underneath the ground, it may still be growing, but the branches need to be cut back. It needs to be tended to. And again, a good plant mom will do that if she wants the plant to survive, even if it means cutting away part of the plant. And what I'm getting at is that's true with us as Christ followers. We have to die to self. We have to die to our flesh. We have to say no to the things that we know aren't good for us, that are toxic for us, that, that hold us back from really being rooted and grounded in who Jesus says we are. Our identities, our old identities have to die so that Christ's identity can come alive this is how you discover who you truly are and how 
and what purpose you are created for. Luke 9, 23 through 24, Jesus is talking to the crowd and he says, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross daily and follow me. But if you try to hang on to your life and you will lose it, but if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. Chris Kane, um, who's speaking at She Is in October, and once you hear her, if you've never heard her, you'll be like, I have to get up and go do something. Like, this woman just has this authority about her. They're like, I got to go right now. I got to go make a difference right now. Like, what am I doing with my life? <laughs> One thing she says is you have to die, 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 and die again. Like, you get up every morning and you die. And that sounds terrible until you understand that when you die to self, you actually come alive more than you ever could have dreamed because you're coming alive to the purpose and the plans that Jesus has for you and the truth that he speaks about you because he knit you together. He put that inside of you. And so when you die to self, when you die to your old nature, things come alive. You have to allow God to build you in the quiet and the secret places and your quiet time and your personal time with him, not just in a group setting. You have to allow him to prune your heart and to really come to him and say, Jesus, what parts of me, what things am I identifying with that aren't bringing you glory? So my question to you tonight is what do you need to uproot? See, the weeds and my flower beds have got to go or they're going to start killing the beautiful tulips. The rose bushes need to be trimmed and the dead parts cut away. So what do you need to uproot personally in your life? What are the things that you have so identified with that you have said over and over, well, this is just who I am. Well, this is just who my family is. Well, this is just how I've always done it. What things have you said in your inner place, in your, in your quiet, mate, whether out loud or to yourself, that you know that you're identifying with? What do you need to uproot? Galatians 3.26-29 through 29 talks about how we have to lay down our identity as a Jew, Greek, man, woman, slave, for, for our identity in Christ. Ladies, here's the good news. Jesus died for you. This world did not die for you. They will turn their back on you in a heartbeat. Family can turn your back on you in a heartbeat. Your friends can turn your back on you in a heartbeat. And I hope that's not the case. Jesus laid down his life for you. Because he loves you. And so when you begin to, to search in other places to say you're approved, you're good, you're loved, you're chosen. If you search for other places and you long for other places other than Jesus. I remember when you default to your old identity and maybe the things that you used to do. Begin to renew your mind. Begin to picture the fact that Jesus died for you. You don't have to earn his love. 
He has his arms open wide at all times. They're never closed. And I think that's a picture that some of you need to get tonight. His arms are always open wide. But our job is to surrender. Our job is to admit our need for him. We have to begin to renew our mind on who he says you are in scripture. And I, I'm not gonna go through the list tonight, but I have something I'm gonna email all of you that have attended this evening um, just to help you renew your mind and who he says and what scripture says about you. It's not anything nebulous. It, they are very clear in scripture what God says about you. It's gotta go to your core. So I'm supposed to be doing like core work physically because I have so much back pain. But it requires me to do the work, right? Like I don't just wake up in the morning and have a strong core. I wish that was the case, but I go to very specialized physical therapy for scoliosis. And and so I'm supposed to do the work. I'm supposed to apply what the physical therapist is teaching me in order to get the strong core. And it's the same thing in our walk with Jesus. I wish that he could just do it for us. He could, he could absolutely do it for us, but he wants us to part, he wants to partner with us in the work. He wants to build a strong core with you, not apart from you. So you've got to allow it to go to your core. You've got to do the work. You've got to, and not, not work to earn his love. It's two separate things. Get, get that in your minds. It's, it, you're not working to earn salvation or working to earn love, but you are working. It's work to overcome our minds. Like, you know, like it is for me, right? It's like, we have to do the work, ladies. So once it goes to our core, when our old identity starts to take, you know, starts to come to the front, we're able to quickly pull Jesus to the top of the deck. We're able to quickly pull who we are in Jesus. If, it, if it's in your core, you might be shaken and you might be a little wobbly, but you're able to be quick on your feet about pulling your identity from who you are in Christ by doing the work. And ladies that are young, you that are teenagers, do the work now. You are gonna be mighty women of God if you do the work now. Do the work now. Our true identity is not found in our past. Our true identity is not found in who others say we are. Our true identity is found in Christ and Christ alone. And maybe words have been spoken over you that have become your identity. Tonight, we're gonna take those off. And we're gonna put on that we are a new creation, that we are a daughter of God. Maybe your past has become your identity, but tonight you're gonna take that off and you are going to apply that you are forgiven, that you were died for, that you don't have to earn your way. God uses us so broken but he makes beautiful things out of us. He makes the most beautiful plants and things out of brokenness. I wanna show you a picture of Seuss Landing at Universal Studios. Um, we went there as a family 
in November and there it is, okay. Um, so there's these palm trees that survived Hurricane Andrew and they were used inside of Zeus Landing. Their roots were good, right? But they were bent because of the storm and curved because of the strong winds. And they were viewed as a nuisance by local, local cities, but Universal was excited to add them to their Zeus Landing. They didn't see something bent and broken. They saw something beautiful that could be used for their purposes. And that's exactly how God views you. And once you grab hold of that, and that becomes your identity, that you don't have to be somebody else, that you don't have to put on the facade, that your identity is received. It's received, not earned, not achieved. And he can use you in incredible ways. Ladies, thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. Like I said before, we are going to be releasing previous messages by Pastor Kim throughout the end of the year. So stay tuned. If you want to get notifications when we release new podcasts, be sure to subscribe anywhere that you can listen to podcasts. As always, we are so grateful for you. Thank you so much for listening. Have a wonderful day.